welcome to season three, episode 16 of the Big at the Back podcast. We're midway through an international break and not missing FPL that much. Matt, how are you? Not bad. Yeah, it's it feels, we were just saying before we started recording, it's the middle weekend of the international break and last game week already feels like an age ago. Um, so it's going to be interesting trying to remember anything that happened. Um, but I think more importantly, we should mention the fact that just before that last game week, we did go to the Always Cheating meetup in London and had a fantastic evening. Yeah, we got very drunk, then went home, essentially. It was a great time. Yeah, um, the beers were floating. <laughs> I feel like they just were going down so easily. And so quickly as well. Like yeah. I don't know how many pints you and I must have sunk over those two days, over those three hours or four hours or whatever it was. But I, it just kind of blinked and it was 11 o'clock and we were like, oh God, we should probably go to make sure we got the train. Um, yeah, especially for our mate who, Stephen, who was on the podcast before, his, his last train is earlier than ours. And we, we went to leave and we're like, shit, we're cutting this a bit fine. And then the Jubilee line weren't running. So yeah, it was, uh, it was interesting. Yeah, but we made it back in the end. But it was a lot of fun actually sitting and meeting lots of FPL people. Um, I got convinced by the cheaters to Captain Watkins. And then luckily I changed my mind and went Salah. But I could have gone Watkins, which would have meant my last week was very different. I think we both had quite good weeks last week. Yeah, not bad at all. It, I mean, it wouldn't have been the end of the world if you did because he didn't blank. But obviously it wouldn't have been on the same level as Salah. So yeah. Last game week saw me finish with 92 points, um, which was good. Um, and I mean, the highlights, Simicass obviously with a 15-pointer. I know a lot of people were hurt by benching him, um, which pretty funny. Obviously, Salah with 32 as the captain. Bowen with eight. Uh, Watkins, six. Haaland, and, Haaland on 16 as well. So, yeah, it was a pretty solid all-round week. Bearing in mind, I had a few injuries as well um, in Lamptey and Nito. So I was pretty happy to get out of that with 90, 92 points. What about you? Yeah, that's a great score. Um, I finished on 88 minus four for the hit, so 84. Um, so, yeah, like you, Seller captains, uh, Simikas playing, luckily. Also had Saka and Watkins returning and Haaland obviously getting 16 as well. I felt a bit, I felt a bit annoyed that Haaland did so well. <laughs> like, we we captain Seller, he gets two goals. You're thinking, yeah, and Haaland's returns were super jammy. If anyone watched that Chelsea game, they were unbelievably jammy. So I, I felt a bit annoyed that Haaland did so well. I felt like the Haaland captain should have been punished a bit more this week. Um, yeah, but, but you'll still take the 16 points when you're... It like at the end of the day, but what a fantastic game it was as well. Just worth mentioning, it was an incredible, incredible game of football to watch. Yeah, petition for Chelsea to be playing in every Premier League game. Who <laughs> would have been saying that about a month ago? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, they're in my thoughts. But you know, 88 minus four, so 84 points, 20 above average, and back up to about 8k in the world. So overall rank of 8,228. Interestingly. Since game week, for players that started in game week one, I'm 8,227th. So there is one person who started after game week one who is ahead of me in the world. I'd quite like to see their team. That is an impressive record. Um, yeah, I am 
573,544. Uh, so knocking on the door of the top 500K now. There are actually 144 people that started after me um, that are ahead of me. So but that's not quite as much of an achievement when you're only just outside the top 500K. I would like to give a shout out to two people in my Curry League with their captaincy options last week. Um, they went for something different and it it really backfired. Um, one who captained Darwin, um, which on paper wasn't bad. He had the two disallowed for offside. Um, but then the other who captained Anthony Gordon. <laughs> and obviously that did not go very well at all. No, and uh, yeah, like just, just no, just, just, yeah, no. Uh, for captaincy, don't get me wrong, I, I did think about Saka, but then he was a bit of an injury doubt. So I, I feel like you should always, 90% of the time when you play FPL, you should be going Saka or Haaland. There are times you can get away with being different. And Darwin, I don't mind it so much. One of his goals was very marginally offside and he set Salah up beautifully. Um, but it is what it is. Swings and roundabouts in FPL at the moment. Yeah, it certainly is. It, it, I mean, on another week, it could have been a stroke of genius, but this week was not that week. No, it wasn't. And I did briefly think about captaining Trippier as well, but I'm glad I talked myself out of that one. Although... I at one point had the armband on Boeing, but that was after a couple of beers. <laughs> <laughs> well, the next game week could be a lot of fun because who the hell do we captain? Um, so we can do a game week 13 preview a little bit later on, but that's looking like a very tricky game week for the standard team or the template team. But today we're going to do something a bit more fun and a bit more interesting. So we're at the 30% mark for the season, about that, 30 33%. So battle of the way through the season. So we're going to look at every team in the Premier League, and it's going to be like a quick-fire round, top three FPL assets and why. Now, some teams we're going to probably pay a bit more time to than others. We may talk for longer about Arsenal and Liverpool than we do about Sheffield United. But we're going to quickly do Speak a... Speak for yourself. Well, you know, may, maybe you have been doing all your research on Sheffield United and you're a big fan of Cameron Archer forever. Maybe you're thinking Bulldog. Who knows? But this is going to be a quick fire round and a bit of fun and based on what we think is going to happen over the next 12 to 13 weeks. So why don't we kick off with Arsenal? It's... I mean, obviously, Saka is the main one. Um, speaking of which, it's worth going back to our bet from a few weeks ago. Um, I, I haven't forgotten. I hope you haven't forgotten. I thought that, it was in the bag. Yeah, but who got more points out of Bowen and Saka, Tom? Bowen did. I, I, I got it wrong. Bowen, Bowen, Bowen got more points. I still so... haven't told Jared Bowen this season. I, I, he's on my, in my thoughts, but yeah. Thoughts and prayers. Got some prayers indeed. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I owe you a beer next time we're out. Yeah, but uh, I mean, is the obvious one. Uh, it feels just though this season there's not been... Like, they haven't stood out as much, Arsenal, in terms of their attacking returns. Because last season, Saka was a shout. Erdegaard was a shout. Martinelli was a shout. Um, to a lesser extent, um, Jesus as well. But obviously with the injuries and things like that, he's been in and out of the side a lot. So... Uh, they're probably still the main ones, Saka, Rodegaard, Martinelli. And then it depends if you want to throw a defender in there as well. Um, a lot of people have obviously been screwed by a bit of rotation with Arsenal uh, defensively with 
Saliba or Gabriel not playing and uh, White being shifted about all over the place. So it's it's really hard to to pick an outstanding three. I think Saka's the obvious one, but the other two spots are up for up for debate. I think. I think Saka is the obvious one, um, just because he's got seventy-one points. That's more than anyone else in the Arsenal team this season. If he was still five million, I'd have Saliba in there, but he's all the way up to five point four, so that just makes him an absolute non-starter for me. Um, I had him wet at the start of the season. I wouldn't mind having him again, but certainly not at that price. Um, I think the ones to look at, you're right, are the midfielders. So Martinelli coming back and Odegaard. I think all three of them are decent shouts. If Odegaard's playing again, he is quite explosive. So he'll get 2-2, 17-2-2. Two, 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 two. Um, but he will be picking up points. And for that period when he was fit, he was getting as many as Saka. Um if Martinelli's back playing regularly, then I'm seriously going to be considering him as a human son replacement at some point. Um, but yeah, I think Arsenal, you can almost keep it easy. Saka, Odegaard, Martinelli in that order. Yeah, I think you're probably right. Um, I am a bit disappointed that there's no Kai Havertz love from you, though, Tom. I thought you were a big fan. I am a big fan. Kai Havertz is such a great footballer. In that number eight role, he's not wait, he's not a waste of a transfer or a waste of position at all. I think it was um, Mark, our friend in the group chat, that said, at this point, can you guarantee that some bloke just didn't turn up at the training ground at Chelsea one day and convinced everyone that he was a professional footballer and then the rest is history? Because at this, at this moment in time, he just does not look like he belongs on a football pitch. I mean, you can also say the same for Antonio. So, uh, you know, maybe, maybe we can talk about that in the West Ham part. But yeah, I, <laughs> I think Havertz is not worth talking about in FPL, but the other three midfielders are. Yeah. An interesting team to talk about, Aston Villa. So give me your thoughts. Oh, I mean, obviously it's Ollie Watkins is the number one. 100%. Um, the form he's been in, especially at home, which... I mean, I guess you can say for Aston Villa as a whole, the home form is, is unreal. And then it, it's really hard to, to sort of narrow it down. Obviously, I have currently got cash, but defensively, ever since I brought him in, they've done fuck all. So it's, do you want to go there, especially with some tough fixtures coming up? They've got City and Arsenal coming up. Spurs is next. They've also got Brentford to come as well soon. So they're like some tough fixtures there. So I would argue that defensively is not the way to go. Um, and I would say probably you're looking at uh, the midfield options, maybe DRB. But I think, have you still got DRB? You managed no, to I, offload him. I managed to offload him last week with my minus four. I took out DRB and cash. Um, Watkins, I think, is the clear number one. I think DRB's been good enough for number two. I think he's essentially playing almost up front with Watkins. Yeah. So, and there's been games where he's been unlucky and he's still the top performing midfielder. Cash, I think... I had him for many weeks, including quite a few clean sheets. But in general, I think he's a trap. I also think Douglas Louise has been excellent this season as a 5.6 enabler. And also John McGinn at 5.5 as well is guaranteed to be starting for them. If you're looking for an enabling fifth midfielder, could be interesting. Yeah, I think out of the two, Douglas Louise is the one because he's on pens. Um, and for the extra point one, I think that is the big difference maker for me. So I would definitely say that he's probably one, like you say, to consider as an enabler. Can't tempt you with uh, Leon Bailey. 
Uh, no, not at all. <laughs> um, defensively, Pau Torres is actually their second highest defender, and he's only 4.6 if you buy him now, whereas Cash is 5.2. So if you're going to pick, if I'm picking three, I'm picking Watkins, DRB, Pau Torres. I think I am, given the fixtures, I would go Watkins, DRB, Douglas, Louise. Um, another person, it's always worth mentioning in FPL, but has been incredibly underwhelming this season, is Emmy Martinez. Uh, he has had a very, very poor start to the season. Um, yeah, you had a good World Cup, mate, but you, you can't live in your past glories. Yeah, I don't like it. I think he's really lost a step this season. So, no, not interested in it. Something tells me the next one is going to be a little bit quick, but Bournemouth, uh, I think we're coming back to the strikers again um, because Solanke, Solanke, Solanke? Solanke <laughs> is by far and away their top scoring FPL asset with Phil Billing at second. Um, and actually, no, Neto in goal is second. Who'd have, have thought that? Have we been sleeping on Neto? He was my unsung hero for the second half of last season. I mean, I, I guess... Because of the lack of options in other areas, he's going to make my top three here. Um, and he's three, uh, 4.5, so he's fairly cheap. So I would say, yeah, Solanke's the obvious one. Then probably Neto, and then take your pick in the third one. I really couldn't care less. I'd probably be looking at Cliver just because of the price. He's 4.6, but I don't like any of them as assets. No, me neither. You're not. I mean, you're not bringing in any defenders. I know they kept a clean sheet against Newcastle in the last game, but they were basically playing Newcastle's under twenties. <laughs> well, a very interesting team to chat about is Brentford, um, because we all know that Neil Malpe is the ultimate third striker at four point nine million. Just play him in the West Ham games, and that's it. <laughs> Well, he's, he's already that was that was just a couple of weeks ago now. So now you've got to wait at least months until you can even consider him bringing him back in. Um, but go on, Tom, talk to me about Mbemo because I know you've got a lot of love for Brian and Bemo. Yeah, and if Brian and Bemo stays at his current trajectory, he's set for about two hundred and thirty points on FPL this season. Um, a third of the way through, he's on seventy four points so far. Had a really good start to the season. Got numerous hauls, and I think. He is, at the moment, the focal point for that Brentford team. So, for me, I brought him in early uh, last week. He only got two points and the next game at City. But no regrets. And Raymo can still damage City. And he was actually, last game week, uh, at the very top for XG underachievers with the delta of 0.7. So, that means he probably should have scored. Allison made a couple of really good saves from him. Aside from that, he's their most threatening player, Visser up front can't score goals. I think Brian Bainwood for me is a lock, especially as their fixtures turn up from game week 14 onwards. So just he... to just to correct you on one point, the next game's uh, Arsenal, not City. Oh, Arsenal then. Oh. You should know yeah. Liverpool are playing City next time. Oh, of course we are. Well, doesn't change the fact that Brian Bremo is the obvious pick. Um, talk to me about Flecken as most people's 4.5 goalkeeper. Yeah, it it doesn't inspire me, to be honest with you. Um, but then again, no real defen defensive sort of assets inspire me for most teams at the moment because mm -hmm. it seems there's so few clean sheets out there. And when two of their next four games are Luton and Sheffield United, 
Uh, I guess if there is ever a time to look at Flecken or even like an Ethan Pinnock or someone, then now is the time to go there. Yeah, agreed. I think, but the problem is, I don't think you want to be in on Brentford outside of Embremo because of the blanking game week 19, is it? Yeah. Yeah, so they blank in game week 19. So oh, City and Brentford blanking, you've got to keep that in mind. Sorry, 18. 18. So if you've got Haaland, Alvarez and Embremo, you don't want any more or you're going to have to spend transfers moving them out. So for me, Embremo is the only one I'd realistically want to own. In terms of a top three assets, I do think Embremo is the obvious one. Uh, talk to me about your love for Jensen at Brentford. I mean, he was in very good form earlier this season, um, probably about six weeks ago or six game weeks ago, not including the international break in that. Um, so I think that he was some, I mean, I had him for about two or three weeks. He got me um, a couple of returns and an assist and a goal. So uh, I don't, I feel like he's tailed off now. I feel like you've probably missed the boat with him. But then again, like I say, their fixtures coming up are pretty decent. So I would probably go and Baymo one, uh, maybe a Flecken. And I think Jensen gets a shout as the potential third spot. But I mean, obviously, you're probably only going to have one Brentford midfielder and that's in Baymo. Agreed. Um, let's move on to Brighton then, because I absolutely adore Kyrie Matoma. But for me, he's unownable at the moment. But I still think he's number one asset for them. I think I agree. It's really hard. I mean, you look at the last five games, he's got 2-2-2-6-1, two, 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 um, and he didn't even start the last game. So that's the real worry. European football, is it catching up with them a little bit? Rotation risks as well. Um, and then you say the same about like their, their forward line. Ferguson plays one week, Pedro plays the next week. They've got Welbeck to come back from injury as well. It's so hard to know who Deserby is going to start. Yeah, agreed. Um, I think the only one you could possibly consider is Matoma, and I'm not going to. But in terms of the next 12 to 13 weeks, I think you stay. Brighton still haven't kept a clean sheet all season. So you stay clear of the defenders, you stay clear of the goalkeepers. You go Matoma, I think second, Adingra for 5 million. He's got 38 points yeah. so far, looking decent. And I guess as a third one, you'd look at João Pedro to fill a third striker spot. That's probably the only option. Yeah, I think you're probably right. The goalkeepers are rotating as well, so you can't go near them, even if they were playing quite well. Um, so, yeah, I think you're, you're spot on. Mitoma, I like Adingra as well, and he seems to be getting consistent minutes at the moment. And then uh, Pedro or Ferguson, but Pedro's the cheaper option, so that makes the most sense for me. Um, it's just a shame, really, because you'd think that the way they were playing last season and that would kind of carry over, then... You'd, you'd be keen on owning probably three, but here we are. So, anyway, I know you're going to talk in real depth about Burnley, so over to you. Well, it's funny you should mention that, because as much as I thought Jay Rodriguez would be the starting striker, I think Foster has proven that he is the main man up front for Burnley. 33 points in the season so far, their top player. Like Brighton, you're not going near Burnley defensively. Um, or even in goal, because Trafford, for all the hype, has not been very good. So I think you're only really looking at the midfield and forwards, and I think Foster as a third striker is an option. Um, big shout-out to Brownhill, although he's unownable in FPL, being 4.7 as a midfielder. He has got 28 points in the season so far. Got, got a lot of love for Josh Brownhill. 
I, I remember having him in my team uh, quite a few seasons ago for a long, long time. And also, 4.8 million for Sanderberg is absolutely outrageous, but I just want to have him for the memes more than anything, for, for the nostalgia. Yeah, just for that one season. Uh, it's, I mean, I guess if there ever was a time to take a gamble on burning assets, it's with this run of fixtures coming up. Um, it is quite decent with, I mean, West Ham and Sheffield United both at home are their next two. Uh, then Wolves and Everton at home coming up as well. But it doesn't, I mean, nothing fills you with confidence when they're still bottom of the league after Everton's 10 points deduction. <laughs> yeah, um, I wouldn't be going near anyone from Burnley, but if you want to take a risk, take a risk. Um, now, the the most interesting team on here, I think, Chelsea. So it surprises me looking and seeing DRC as their top scoring defender so far just completely bewildered by it. But in general, Chelsea are a bit of an odd one, but there's a lot of love in the community for Cole Palmer at the moment. 5.2 points, 40, uh, 5.2 million, 47 points. Is it justified? A hundred percent. He was someone that I've been wanting to bring in consistently over sort of the last month. But you keep looking at their fixtures again, their fixtures are awful, but then they keep getting penalties and he keeps scoring them. So, and especially if you look ahead past their next three, I mean, well, even maybe their next two, which they've got Newcastle away next, Brighton at home, then Manu away. Then it's Everton, Sheffield United, Wolves, Crystal Palace. That's the run of fixtures where you want to start loading up on Chelsea and they are looking like they're getting their shit together a little bit more. Pochettino seems to have got them... I mean, you look at the way they played against Man City. Not many teams go and score four goals against Man City. Agreed. Um, I'm actually thinking of... I won't be bringing them in this week against Newcastle, but... For Brighton and Man U, I don't think those are as bad fixtures as you're making out. No, I agree. So I will be looking to make two transfers, moving probably Human Son on and bringing in Palmer and Sterling, perhaps. Who, Ooh, you saucy minx. Who I'm ready to be hurt again. What about the man who scored as many Premier League goals as Ollie Watkins this season, Nicholas Jackson? Nicholas Jackson, that's my favourite stat ever. That being said, I'm not interested. And Cuckoo could be back relatively soon. I'm not actually sure. When's Cuckoo back? He's only he's he's only orange flagged now, so he's fifty percent chance. So he obviously can't be that far away. Oh, there's there's hope the French star could start against Newcastle in the Carabao Cup on December twentieth. So maybe not for a while. So I. Mm. Uh, Maybe Jackson is an option. Uh, the thing is with Jackson, he's not a good player. And it would be, it's, it's why I haven't owned Darwin this season. You you watch him and just get frustrated as an FPL owner. Um, but unlike Darwin, Jackson is not a good footballer. So, yeah, I, I'm not interested in Jackson. Sterling, I am interested in, I think could be re a really, really good own for that awesome run of fixtures. And only 6.9 million. Yeah, he had a fantastic game against City. So if he can keep up that form, him and Palmer are two very good and potentially cheap options. But the problem with Chelsea is, can they do it against teams that just sit in, which they tend to struggle a lot more against? Well, if they're struggling against teams that sit in, they have got a guy that can unlock that. Are you ready to be hurt again by Reese James? Yes. <laughs> 5 million. Only 10 points in the season so far, but just coming back from injury. And his ceiling is so high. 
He bombs forward so much. He can happily get one, 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 twenty-four, one, 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 one. Much like Sterling, actually. Um, and I we'll think, own him for the ones and yeah, not the twenty-four. And that would be very typical, wouldn't it? So. I do think there's a potential world where I own Reese James and go big at the back over the next few weeks or so. Bring it on. In terms of the top three, I would actually have Palmer, Sterling and James in that order. Would you be the same or slightly different? I think I'm uh, in complete agreement with you there. And then Nicholas Jackson falls. <laughs> He's not on the cards. <laughs> <laughs> Crystal Palace. Now, I've, I own Johnston for much of the opening parts of the season and loved owning him. And I've just brought in Mitchell and then they go and concede three against Everton. But give me your thoughts on Palace in general. I mean, a couple of good fixtures coming up. Luton and Bournemouth are in their next three. So you might want to look at Johnston as an option. Joachim Anderson as well, one of the top scoring defenders in the game still. Um, with 60 points, so he's definitely one to worth keeping an eye on. Um, but at the moment, I can't look past Everett Ezzi coming back from injury. Looked fantastic against Everton, um, even though he did get booked for diving, which was quite funny. Um, but he wasn't a dive. It was so yeah. <laughs> Just like Kane against Malta. Um, yeah. But yeah, uh, and you know me, I have my love for Odson Edward. He yeah. gets into my top three. I, I think I agree. You know. Edward, 5.5 million and 46 points on the season so far. It's a good score for a third striker. Yep. And he's, he, he, I don't know, he just looks so ungainly, but he comes, he comes up with the goods every now and then. So I like him. So I think my top three are Eze, uh, Johnston, and Edward. I'm going to mix it up. I'm going to go Mitchell in defence, or Gwehi is probably a better option now. Uh, 4.6 million going to keep clean sheets. I think Gwehi is probably my number one if you don't have a Palace defender already. And then Eze and then Johnston for me. Fair enough. I will, we'll, we'll jump onto your favourite team in the league then. Everton. Wow. Sitting bottom, second bottom now in the Premier League. Couldn't happen to a nicer team and couldn't happen to a nicer goalkeeper. But now they've got a point to prove. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't want to be Manchester United in the next game going to Ever going to Goodison, sorry. It's gonna be spicy. I mean, is is everyone overlooking Mikalenko at the moment? S last five games, six, two, eight, eleven, and nine. It's not sustainable. I don't think it's sustainable. Um I, th I like I like Decore. He's been really good this year. And also Harrison as well in the past few weeks has really come into his own. There's some good assets at Everton. I, I don't hate them as an FPL option at all at the moment. Especially as Decore sort of playing in that number 10 role. He's like the complete opposite of what you expect a number 10 to be is that sort of nifty, quick-footed, picking balls in behind. He's just an absolute unit and he gets up in support of Calvert-Lewin and that's exactly what they need if they're going to be playing those long balls, which... Dyesh loves to do. Yeah, he's an absolute powerhouse. And you get the sense that he's the main threat when Everton are playing. Calvert-Lewin being back is great for them, but Calvert-Lewin isn't the main threat. Like, he's just the hold-up man. Decore is the one that benefits from Calvert-Lewin being there. there. There's a world where I have Decore in, in my team over the next few weeks. I will say it's good to see Calvert-Lewin having his best run in the team in terms of just mm. being fit probably for the last couple of years now. Um, so hopefully he can keep that on. But yeah, I think my three here are Decore, 
I think Mikalenko gets in there just because he does get forward and he's always there or thereabouts. And then I'll probably put Calvert-Lewin in as the third. I think I would go to Corey Mikalenko Tarkovsky. Tarkovsky is only a few points behind Mikalenko, and we know what Tarkovsky can do in a Sean Dyche team. Yeah, that is true. And they haven't got the worst fixtures coming up. Shall we chat? Uh, just Fulham are a non FPL team, they're a non entity in FPL. We don't ever have to own them, we don't ever have to worry about them. So let's just say Burnt Leno is the best goalkeeper in his price bracket at the moment. He's a really, really top-class goalkeeper and there's no one else in Fulham worth owning. Yeah, one thing I will just want to say is it was good to see Raul Jimenez finally get a goal. Uh, I have felt for him, obviously, since that head injury. uh, It's been a long road back for him, so it was good to see him on the score sheet. Yeah, I totally agree. But I think... Is, is there a world where we can like Anthony Robertson, Robinson in the Fulham defence? I mean, he's a regular starter. He gets games. He's 4.4 million. That If they have a good run and start, they can start picking up clean sheets because they're incredibly organised. It was a great finish in his last game as well. Just shame it was at the wrong end. <laughs> yeah, um, let's not talk about that. Um, <laughs> I'll quickly go through a top three for Fulham. Leno, Robinson... Jimenez, because fuck it. Um, I'm just going to say Leno, Andreas Pereira, because we all loved him last year. And yeah, fuck it. Why not Raul Jimenez as well? <laughs> but let's get on to the team you really want to talk about. What, who are your top for Liverpool, Tom? If you can possibly narrow it down. Uh, can you guess my number one? Uh, yes, Darwin. Um, uh, so obviously Salah is number one by far he's the best player in the game he's passed 100 points already like he's just again just clinical and unreal I know I always come I find it difficult to not say Trent but I don't I think the last few seasons we haven't had a very good creative midfield so Trent has done all the creation now we do Alexis McCallagher Dom Sabozlai who has been the best signing, I think, of the season. Um, and that like, you've got uh, Brian Graben back in there as well. So I don't think Trent is as good an asset now because we've got that amazing midfield. I'm As much as I love Luis Diaz, he just hasn't performed and picked it up. So I, and I don't think you can justify spending 7.1 on Sabaslai. So I don't think he's an asset as well. I do always come back to Darwin because I love him so damn much. I wouldn't get him in for the City game, but after that, I think I will be seriously considering him as a Watkins replacement. Liverpool have Fulham, Sheffield United and Crystal Palace, then Man U, all in a row. So that's a Darwin Nunez run. So it's Salah, Darwin Nunez, and then you've got to say Simikas, right? Just, just... For that last game week alone, he's been he's played about four or five games and he's already got 29 points. What's not to love about the Greek Scouser? Yeah, I mean, as long as Robertson's out, Simikas has to make the top three because the price he is at four, currently at 4.7, it just makes complete sense that you get him in. Um, but yeah, I think for me, it's Salah, it's Simikas, and then it's probably a coin toss between Trent and Darwin. But probably more leaning more towards Darwin. Yeah, I think this season I would be going Darwin over Trent. Um, 
I know you're desperate to give me all of your insight into Luton, so why don't you kick that off? Uh, Kabore, uh, Carlton Morris, and why not Ross Barkley? That'll do. Agreed. Move on. (laughs) (laughs) Man City. Now, this is a very, very interesting perspective. So the obvious number one is Haaland, and then it gets a bit more tricky because... A lot of people have had Alvarez, including us, for parts of the season. Um, you had that one game where Doku went a bit crazy, but he's not really done anything other than in that one game. Um, defensively, my policy has always been you don't go near Man City, as a general rule. Um, Akanje, maybe, it's 4.9. He's been starting every game. He's 30, 36 points in the season. But it's a very classic Manchester City they will always concede a stupid goal in the end. So for me, defensively, they're not worth going for. Foden, again, I don't love it. There's a risk with him. And you've got some really, really top-class midfielders. You've got Grealish, you've got Peyton Reed to come back, you've got Doku, you've got Foden, you've got Bernardo Silva, essentially all competing over three or four spots. And then you've got Kovacic and Matias Nunes to come back into the team as well. I really struggle with Man City. I think you've got to look at Haaland as number one. I'd probably be looking at Alvarez number two, but even that's sceptical. What's your thoughts on City? I mean, Haaland's number one, obviously. There's no doubt about that. For me, Alvarez is still number two as long as KDB's out, Mm -hmm. just because he seems to be playing every single game. Uh, and he has been picking up fairly consistent returns. It's quietened down a little bit over the last month or so, um, but he's still in there for me. And then I'm getting Doku just as a bit of fun. Um, yeah. but the thing is, like, you're always going to get hit with Pep Roulette, aren't you? Yeah. My advice to anyone listening would be don't get Man City now. Fixtures aren't great, and they blank in game week 18. So I'm yeah. just steer clear of City for the moment. Um, Manchester United. Interesting team. Give me your thoughts. Yeah, I think, I mean, they've obviously been incredibly underwhelming, especially their forward line. So you're not going near any of their strikers. You're not going near Rashford, Hoyan, Martial, Anthony, any of them. You're not touching them. Um, I think the two standouts are Bruno. Uh, He seems to have been the one that sort of grabbed them by the scruff of the neck in games where they've really needed it. And then second one for me is probably Dallow just because he seems to pop up with your goal. They're a little bit more solid in, at the back than they were at the very start of the season. They have picked up a few clean sheets. And then the third one for me is probably Scott McTominay. Like, he's just getting forward and popping up with goals every now and then. So why not as a 4.8 midfielder who's going to just sit there and pick up some points? I agree with your first two. I think Bruno and Dallo, I, I agree with. As a third one, I'm going to throw a curveball in. 4.8 million, Onana. I knew that was coming. All goalkeepers are rubbish this year, right? But Man U are still a team that can keep a lot of clean sheets. When you've got Varane coming back, when you've got Martinez coming out back, Onana makes saves. Now, he's a rubbish goalkeeper in general. But in that team, I, I think there could be some clean sheet points. If you're going to spend on a goalkeeper, if you're downgrading the human son, for example, I don't hate it. Yeah, but I don't love it either. 4.8 is one. He's like on the higher end. 
Like everyone's going 4.5 or cheaper with their keepers, aren't they? So, um, tell you what, Tom, what's better than one Bissaka? Two Bissaka. Moving swiftly on <laughs> to Newcastle. So, um, have they got any players left? Um, yeah, the injuries are destroying them. But Kieran, just Kieran look how many red flags there are, especially in defence. It's ridiculous. Um, Burn, Botman, Hall, Target, Murphy, Anderson, Barnes, Tonali, and then Wilson and Isak are both orange flagged. So, like, Jesus. Well, Isak is due to be back um, yeah. soon. Uh, I think Trippier for me has been absolutely sensational since I brought him in. I missed out on his huge haul, but still, he's been get he's been getting the odd zero, but he's also been getting nines and tens. So, I think Trippier for me is a, still the number one. I would also be looking at Anthony Gorzon and I guess Isak as a third by default, but I don't love it. Yeah, I think that's it, really. I mean, you've got to obviously look at who's actually still fit. Trippier yeah. is the obvious number one. As you keep saying, he's just a bonus point merchant at the moment. Um, so he's the obvious one. If they keep a clean sheet, he's getting bonus points. Um, Gordon, as probably the only fit midfielder they've currently got, uh, has been picking up points as well. Um, so he he probably gets in there, and then it's whoever's fit at the time out of Wilson and Isaac because they're going to be the one leading the line. So yeah, probably Isaac if he's the one coming back. Yeah, agree. Now let's get on to a wild and wacky Nottingham Forest team. Give me your thoughts. Awaniwi coming back for injury, picking up a goal against West Ham. He's probably in there for me. Um, probably the best shout. But difficult then... price point though, six point four. That's too expensive as a third striker, and it's, he's not quite good enough for a second striker after Haaland. You're probably looking at Watkins or Darwin in that bracket. So for me, Awanee is just a little bit difficult. Yeah, I see what you're saying. It's, it is a bit of a, a sort of a tricky one there, isn't it? But I just think in terms of purely as, as forest assets, he's probably the best. Mm. Uh, I'd say probably Anthony Alanga is second shout. He's their top scoring midfielder. He's picked up a goal, another one that picked up a goal against West Ham. Um, hilariously took his shirt off when going 2-1 up in the 60 or 70th minute and then they proceeded to lose the game so pretty funny um, Charleston of him yeah exactly uh, and then before the last couple of weeks I'd have said Matt Turner just because he was in there as a 4.0 keeper 4.1 keeper but obviously they've, they seem to have switched the number one shirt now um, so I don't know where that third that third spot really goes maybe Gibbs White I guess Gibbs White, just because he is kind of an enabler. He's in the same bracket as Gordon. He's only got 33 points, but he's on penalties as well. I, I'd actually have a Langer over a one year just because of the price difference. Langer's only 5 million, a one year's uh, 6.4. So I think Langer can fill that enabler role. But yeah, yeah. I think it's a Langer and one year Gibbs, Gibbs, Gibbs Knights, Gibbs White as my top three from Nottingham Forest. I'm not super happy about any of them, though. Yeah, I think I think no one's really touching them, are they? Unless, obviously, people had Turner, but that's that's been and gone now. So, on to a team that everyone is heavily invested in, Sheffield United. I am invested in Sheffield United. I know United. you are. So, Cameron Archer, like, loves my bench when he scores points. Yeah. <laughs> so, I think he's the number one pick. 4.5, third striker, enabler, starting every week, gets the odd goal. Just what's not to love about Cameron Archer? Um, Bulldog at 3.8 million. 
I really quite like as an enabling defender. And that's about as much as I have to say for Sheffield United. Uh, I've said it before. I'm going to say it again. I hate Ollie Norwood for not getting booked a couple of weeks ago when he scored a 100th minute winning penalty uh, and let down my bet. So he can get in the bin. That's the only thing I have to say other than, yeah, Cameron Archer is the one. Awesome. Um, we were speaking about red flags. Shall we just move on to Spurs? Because uh, <laughs> um, it's it's quite amazing how many red flags they have. Um, so for, we're talking the next 12 weeks only. So I don't think it's fair to talk about Madison or yeah. Tarnison, etc. Hume-Min Son is the obvious one. I don't think I want to go near Spurs defensively without Van der Ven. They are like he was the one keeping their clean sheets safe. So I think they're going to really, really struggle defensively without him. I don't like Kulaseski as an option full stop. I think he's a really obvious and bad footballer. Um, I don't, I guess if I was forced to go to Spurs, I would be looking at Johnson quite seriously as a midfield slot 5.8 million. Yeah, I think now that they've got all these other injuries, he looks like he's probably going to be starting most weeks. Yeah. Uh, so it's Son, it's him. And then, I don't know. Pedro Porro, attacking threat. That's the only one, really, out of the defenders that would slightly tempt me. I mean, probably one of the only ones that's still fit and available. So um, mm. he'll do. Um, but yeah, I think without Madison and Van der Ven, especially, it really weakens their FPL potential. Agreed. Um, talk to me about West Ham then. Give me your lowdown on West Ham. I mean, the obvious one is Jared Bowen. He is by far and away our highest scoring asset this season. Uh, and he just seems to be doing it week in, week out. And I mean, if you look at the run of fixtures West Ham have got coming up, it's pretty nice with Burnley, Palace, Spurs, obviously a tricky one. Fulham and Wolves are the next five. So if you're going to invest in West Ham, now is the time to do it. And Bowen is the obvious choice. Um, then it's probably a bit rogue, but with the way, uh, and we spoke about him last week, actually, um, the way we West Ham seems to be lying up now is Mohamed Kudus, who has come in. It looks as though he, the starting shirt is his. Uh, Antonio seems to have been dropped with Boeing going through the centre and Kudus coming out wide. So, and he is an exciting player. Yeah. He's everything we want. Um, the third spot, I would say, is a toss-up between Ariola, who obviously a lot of people have got. Um, but we're not really keeping any clean sheets at the moment. And you can't forget James Ward-Prowse. He's just, with the assists he's been getting, 11 assists so far in the season, uh, the top assister in the league. So, I mean, he's, he's only ever going to be bench forward probably, but that's the problem when he's 6.1. The, the issue I have with James Ward-Prowse is that David Moyes doesn't seem to like playing him further forward. In that further forward role, he can get a lot more assists, but he played there for a while, was great, and then he's been moved back. So, especially with Kudus there, I think it diminishes Ward-Prowse somewhat. Um, I think it's relatively simple. Jared Bowen, Ariola, Kudus. Yeah, I think you're probably right with the top three there. Well, a team that... <sighs> I guess are quite fun actually this season, despite what we would have thought about is Wolves. They have been uh, absolutely nowhere near what anyone expected, have they? Um, especially with all the like manager being sacked like two weeks before the season starts, Gary O'Neill coming in and everyone being like, Yeah, well, so good though. Gary O'Neill is so good. He is the absolute king of getting 
the most out of sort of average players, really. Um, so, yeah, I think he's done a fantastic job. Um, the two obvious ones are Huang and Neto. Both midfielders, both going very under the radar at 5.5 and 5.6. 6. I mean, Wolves have been playing some really, really good football, especially against the bigger teams. And three of the next four are Fulham, Burnley and Nottingham Forest. I'm tempted to look at getting Huang in. Yeah, I mean, I've got uh, Pedro Nito at the moment. Uh, hopefully, obviously, he'll be back from injury on the other side of the international break. That's my hopes anyway. Mm -hmm. um, but they're both great options at that price. Uh, Nito was just, before the injury, was just picking up an assist every game. And what more can you ask for someone who was 5.5? Uh, I think he's the I think he's the one to go for. Uh, Huang seems to be a little bit more up and down in terms of his returns. Well, if you look at Huang's returns over the last nine game weeks, it's 6-6-1-8-10-4-7-5. So he's been returning pretty damn consistently, just not as much as Neto. But he seems to be a bit more explosive. Yeah, um, he does. And obviously that's because he's the one probably more likely to get yeah, in goals. He's goals. the one that plays further forward. Um, whereas Neto is sort of more of your like playmaker, I guess. Yeah, I think for Wolves, it's, it's probably Huang first for me, uh, with Nito second. And then let's just say Semedo as number three, because he's fun. I'm going to say Mateus Cunha as third, as a 5.5 striker, um, as a bit of a, a your third striker option. Yeah, don't mind it at all. Well, that is every Premier League team we've gone through. A um, bit of fun. We'll be back with a Game Week 13 preview during the week. Um, but as always, you can find us on Twitter at Big at the Back. Yeah, you can find me at Higgins92. Tom is at TomMadden92. Uh, and apologies for all the Liverpool stuff on the Twitter feed. It's all Tom um, because he can't help himself. There hasn't been any Liverpool yeah, stuff. Yeah, because, because there hasn't been any football in the last week. Wait exactly. until next weekend. Oh, you just wait. Right. Have a lovely week, everyone. Speak to you all soon. Bye.